Hey, welcome to Sex, Drugs, and Spirituality with Sydney DeLorean. That's me. We have special guest, hashtag fan favorite contender, Scott McNulty. Oh, no, I, I gave that up. I dropped out of the race. So yeah, I gave it to Rob, uh, but I took in exchange for that, the title of executive producer of this podcast. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, because what Rob Love was trying to do was incite a race riot Yeah. Um, for the race for fan favorite. And you were like, mm. I just don't do that. I'm, I'm a man of peace and love. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not one of these violent crow lovers like uh, like some other people. I saw I saw an old homeless man with a beard the other day feeding a bunch of pigeons. Like he had French fries from McDonald's in a back in a dirty backpack, and he opened the backpack and was handing French fries to these pigeons. And I thought, there is the poor man's Rob Love. You saw Rob Love's future. Yeah, what you saw. Yeah, yeah, maybe we'll see. Well, um, I don't. I can't see Rob Love getting French fries from McDonald's, but I assume this guy got him out of the dumpster, and so maybe Rob Love would do that. Yeah, that's probably true. Or Rob Love would maybe like feed um, sort of dried up pellets of soup to to crow yeah. the pigeons one day. Bouillon cubes. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> Bouillon cubes. <laughs> He's like, listen, guys, you got to get with the program. You haven't been yeah. eating enough soup. It's all peanuts, peanuts, peanuts. You know, in the olden days before they had penicillin and whatnot, they, you know, it would be like your mom would say, "Take your bouillon cube." You would just swallow a, a bouillon. Is that true? No. Oh. Sounded good, though. Yeah, it really did. I was willing to buy into that. <laughs> take your bull beyond. <laughs> I don't know why the olden times lady is an, an Italian, like well, a, a Jewish New Yorker woman. <laughs> we were just off air having a conversation about old Italians. That's true. Um, Upon my discovery that you owned a guinea pig named Ginny Guinea. That's right. Named after, named after my Italian Aunt Ginny. <laughs> Who was a guinea? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'll never recover from that information. Uh, uh, she was uh, she was a noisy little fucker. Um, the guinea pig or your grandma? Well, both. Yeah. <laughs> no, we had to we had to get rid of the guinea pig because it was too noisy. Like she was very loud at night. I couldn't sleep. I think they're nocturnal. I uh, I think they are too. Yeah. Remember when I had that boyfriend who tried to pawn off his um. It wasn't a guinea pig. It was like a hamster on you. Like his daughter wanted a pet hamster and they got a hamster. But then it turned out the thing was nocturnal. And so all Uh he heard all night was squeaking and the wheel turning. And then he posted on Facebook, does anybody want a guinea or no, does anybody want a hamster? And you said, I've been looking for something to put in my butt. (laughs) And he didn't realize that that was clearly a joke. And he said, so I think Scott might take my hamster. Wow. <laughs> I don't even remember that, but it does sound like something that I would I would say, especially on Facebook. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah that guy was an idiot. Anyways. <laughs> Good times. <laughs> Good times. So we are doing a podcast today about transcendental meditation, which neither of us practice. That is correct. So we are here to talk about it. Um, yeah. And I read a Wikipedia page on it, and I'm pleased to know that it's referred to as TM. Yeah, they went through a rebranding yeah. where it's no longer Transcendental Meditation. It's now TM. It's hipper that way, I guess. Yeah, and I like it because it's close to BM, which yeah. is one of my favorite activities. It's so. something I can't stop doing. You ever <laughs> you ever get stoned and make a salad in a large mixing bowl yes. and then eat the whole thing? Yes. Yeah, 
frequently without even getting stoned. Like, yeah. Yeah. But. It just happens. And mm-hmm. then you're like, yeah, I, I, let me act. I need to not act like it was a, a stoner related thing. It just most recently happened because I was stoned. But in general, yeah, I make salads and mixing bowls. And then the next day I go, oh, why can't I stop pooping? I always make salad in a mixing bowl. And I also always eat the whole thing. Like I buy those bag salads mm-hmm. that they sell. And I don't eat. There's never a time where I eat part of that no. and then put it away. Like I just eat the entire thing. That, that's the plan. A hundred percent. And here's the thing is like uh, Zachary caught me doing that once and he was laughing. And I said, listen, I could fit this operation in a smaller bowl, but then I couldn't turn it around. Yeah. And I like to be able to stir my salad. Yeah, so put exactly. it in a mixing bowl. Yeah. I sit on the couch with it on my lap. <laughs> I go to town. But I mean, I tell myself, this is salad. I'm not eating yeah. fried chicken. This is healthy. You know, I mean, it's drenched in like Caesar salad or, or dressing. Or, Baby you know. steps. But it's yeah. better that lettuce is drenched in Caesar salad dressing than a barbecue chicken sandwich. Right. Doused in ranch. So like. Exactly. Baby steps. Baby steps indeed. Um, okay. So TM, which used to be known as Transcendental Meditation, was mm. popularized by this guy, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. And. Yes. He was the son of a civil servant in India, and he studied uh, physics, and when he was 20, he got a guru who taught him meditation, Mm. and this guru was like your typical guru who would wander around barefooted, you know, living off of donations, and um, the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi, uh, he was like, what if I did this, but like bigger you know what i mean like what Mm. if instead of a soundcloud rapper i signed to a label and actually got paid that's what happened to Billie eilish yeah and look at her look at her winning grammys yeah can i admit something to you which is so embarrassing for my younger listeners i don't know that i've ever heard a Billie eilish song i said the same thing today to someone at work i i've seen her i've seen pictures of her but i've never heard her sing or i don't even know what kind of music she does i have seen the youtube video of her singing one of my friend matt farley's songs by the toilet bowl cleaners um which that really helped him out i think the one that she sang in that song was poop 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 but i could be wrong (laughs) but anyways um but i've never heard one of her songs and i'm gonna rectify it because that's like one of the things that makes me feel like i'm an old lady yeah where i'm like i don't i who are these people see i just embrace it I mean, I just tell people, look, I am a grumpy old man. I'm stuck in my my bubble of 90s music, and I don't care. I own it. You know what I mean? Well, I here's I love new music, so <laughs> I I like to discover new things, and sometimes yeah. new things I discover are actually old things I've never just I've just never heard. I will tell you this because I like a lot of newer pop music, um, but I realized the other day why. Old people do not like it. So, for example, I like Halsey a lot, mm-hmm. but every other act that sounds like Halsey is fucking terrible. Mm. And there was some Pandora on at work, and there would be like every 10th song was like a newer pop banger, and everything in between was so wretched, I can't stop thinking about it. Yeah. There was one song where the lyrics were, I've got no roots. The road is my home. I've got no roots. And it was, wow. that was terrible. There was another song where it was like a little, um, I don't know, a little more R&B styled. And the guy was singing about like, uh, every day I'm on vacation because I love my occupation. Hmm. And it was so painfully bad. Yeah. And then I go, oh, this is why. 
people don't like pop music because this is really bad. But then yeah. every once in a while, one out of 10 pop artists is like good. Yeah. But they get a bad name because it's in this sea of garbage. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I'm going to listen to a Halsey song. <clears throat> but uh, so this Maharishi guy, which, by the way, just to put everything in time context, he's born in 1917 or 18. Um, and he's also five foot four. Not super relevant, but I always like the like. Nice. Let's picture this little fella. That's my height. Is it? Yes. <laughs> You're shorter than me. Uh, probably, yeah. I'm five four. I'm five five and a half. <laughs> oh snap! I have no idea. I just have a question. Is this Maharishi the same one that the Beatles were all into? Yes, we are so going to get into oh, that. Oh, it's the same guy. It's oh, the same guy. Wow, okay, yeah. Um, and you said that he was the son of a civil servant, so I assume by that you mean his dad was a polite butler? I don't know what the fuck it means in India. There's a caste system. I was joking. That's not what a civil servant is. I don't really know. I think a civil servant... It's <laughs> like a, a, a postman. A po- yeah, a mailman or someone who works for the government. Yeah, but yeah. I don't... So I guess that's what it means also in India, but yeah. I don't know. Um, so it, he started uh, teaching this meditation and calling it transcendental meditation in India in the fifties. And at that time it was a little more spiritual and religious. Mm. Um, but in the sixties and seventies, he started doing a more technical presentation of it and like got rid of all the spiritual mumbo jumbo cut down to like, this is a good practice. Do these things. It's good. And Mm. we'll leave the God out of it. Um, Mm. And celebrities got into it. The Beatles, Mia Farrow. um, And he began training other teachers. And he started all these organizations to teach TM to target groups such as business people and students. Um, There were advanced courses. One that was a million dollars. I don't know what the fuck was in that one. Wow. There were supplements, a TV station, and even their own currency called the ROM. Um, So I guess I can just get right into this Beatles anecdote, and maybe that'll keep it into chronological order. Sure. Um, So, so, by the way, he was called the Giggling Guru. Did he laugh a lot? Yeah, and I think we're going to get into something that annoys me. I have a very controversial stance, which is that I don't like Yoda. Like in the original Star Wars. Oh, I know. We talked about this once a and long time ago. How? Let me rewatch it. I'll rewatch it. And like. <laughs> yeah, because I chastised you. <laughs> I was like, he just like thinks he's funny, but he's not funny. I don't like his sense of humor. And I hate when people with a bad sense of humor think that they're funny, you know, and then they're giggling and they're like, yeah. why aren't you laughing? You're so uptight. And I'm like, no, you're not funny. And as someone who enjoys comedy, I find that offensive. So mm. like. I'm not laughing because it's not funny. I'm not because I'm a cunt. So anyways, um, the giggling guru meets the Beatles in 1967 Mm. and um, they decide to go on a trip with him um, during which time their manager died of a drug overdose and it was very hurtful to them and he kind of laughed it off. I think um, what if I can find what he said. Um, he said like, everything is temporary. Like Mm. you must overcome this or whatever. And, um, I wish I could pull up that quote. I just don't. Very, very Eastern kind of in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And so, uh, but they're feeling vulnerable. Right. And so it kind of led them to be closer to him. Like he's Mm. trying to help them heal from this thing that they find to be hurtful. And so he becomes their guru 
1968, they go on this retreat to India with him and it's the Beatles and it's their, like the Beatles and their girlfriends and um, Mia Farrow and her sister, her name's like Paulina or something. Um, I, I'm so bad at this. Uh, I There's certain things like I try to keep my notes brief and I say, I'll remember that. Right. And then yeah. I didn't. But anyways, they all go to India for this like five week long retreat with him. Hmm. And um, allegedly Ringo and his wife were the first to leave because he hated the food and his wife hated the insects. And they're like, let's just go. Like after two weeks, they're done. Um, and then Paul allegedly left after that, noticing like people say this guy is just kind of like a fame whore and yeah. he's money grubbing and he's like suspiciously always has to sit right next to the Pharaoh sisters. Like, because mm. he was allegedly celibate, by the way, the Maharishi was. Oh, okay. Um, but they're like, he's kind of putting up paying a lot of attention to these Pharaoh sisters. So I don't know. So Paul leaves and then, um, the uh hold on i'm gonna try to find this exact uh quote because it's good so they um oh jesus um so they they go and there's like a night where mia pharaoh's in the maharishi's cave with him alone and never go to a man's cave with uh, him. (laughs) seriously like it's a fucking cave like what the fuck yeah um, and also, if you're living in a cave, like as some sort of uh, monastic individual, like I don't care what religion or spirituality you are, if you're living in a cave, you shouldn't be bringing anybody back there. No. Like that, the, the, the point of living in a cave is solitude, to practice solitude. You know, it's not to be like to host a gathering. <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't know if it's like me just being super conservative or Victorian, but like I don't think that there, even if a man alleges that he is celibate, mm. There's no reason to invite any followers back to your quarters alone. Like, things should be happening in shared public spaces. But as we've learned from all these fucking stupid cults that we've researched, the fucking Buddha field cult or that um, Bikram yoga idiot, like, they Mm -hmm. all, like, invite their most devoted followers come back to my quarters. Like, you know, and... and, Just like the priest invites the altar boy, you know, back to the... The yeah. rectory. You know. I, yeah, I don't, I don't like it. I don't like it. So he invites me and Pharaoh back to his cave, and she comes out in tears, um, and she tells them like he grabbed at her, he tr- made advances at her, which is a real betrayal. If you're a follower of someone and yeah. you think that they're their spiritual entity, and then all of a sudden they make a sexual advance towards you, like mm. it is gross. It's gross. It's and double. It, it's double gross at that point. Yeah, because not. Like, there's all this, like, reverence you had towards them, and now that's all gone. Mm. Um, and they kind of are playing on the reverence that the follower has, because, like, that's why a lot of times, like, people let the priest do it, or they let the yeah. guru do it, because they think, like, well, this person is the wise person I turn to for answers, so right. if they are doing this, it must be right. Very sad. So she um, she leaves screaming and she uh, crying and she tells the remaining Beatles, which would be George and John, what happened, and they decide to leave. And the Maharishi allegedly says, "Boys, boys, what's wrong? Why are you leaving?" And John Lennon says, "If you're so fucking cosmic, you'll know." 
Um, mm. And uh, allegedly that is what um, the song Sexy Sadie is about. So um, it originally was entitled Maharishi, um, but to avoid legal problems, they changed it to Sexy Sadie. But the lyrics are, what have you done? You made a fool of everyone. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. So the Beatles really brought the Maharishi to fame, but they didn't stay like in his group for very long. It seems like less than two years. And then they realized he was full of shit. Yeah. Um, which it just I'm I'm also looking at a picture of him right now. Can you picture that fucking grabbing oh you in a cave? He's very gross looking. Yeah, just it, a fucking tiny man, just like grab. a homeless man under uh, under an underpass. Yeah, yeah. just fucking... <laughs> like a a dirty pigeon holding man, uh, living living under an overpass. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's what he looks like. Uh, uh so can I ask? So what is TM meditation? Because I always was under the impression that uh, it was, I guess because of the word transcendental, I thought it meant you were somehow like like astral projection. Like I thought that's what it was, like you're going to different places. But I don't know. When I Wikipedia it, it just said it's just like repeating a mantra silently or something. Yeah. So the TM program is a meditation program that is 15 to 20 minutes twice a day. You repeat a mantra and let go of your mind. And in fact... It has been said that normal meditation, like mindfulness, is about overt observation, but TM is about letting go. Hmm. But all these articles I said where people took the classes and they tried it out, they said it's super easy. And so they, you know, you, you sign up for classes. It's four consecutive nights. A teacher comes to your home and teaches you the first night there's an initiation ceremony, which one Mm. of the teachers said, if you like ceremonies, it's fun. If you think they're stupid, it's over quick. It's like Mm. a five minute ceremony in which the teacher then gives you your mantra, which you are not allowed to tell anyone. And Mm. it's a phrase or syllable that you repeat in your mind over and over again while meditation. And I think it's just something to zone out on. Hmm. Just like, you know, like certain like bowl meditation where they make the noise with those sound bowls. Yeah. That sort of shit. Or I, um, it's um, um. Yeah. yeah. And I bet, honestly, I was like, huh, does everyone get a different mantra or is it just like the Doubtful. same one? I, yeah, I don't. <laughs> they have like five that they use for the entire world. <laughs> I 100% believe it because how would you know? You're not supposed to tell anyone. Mm. Um, but the cool thing about it is that it is expensive to start out, but after those four classes, you're good. You're good for life. Hmm. Like you can go to further classes or seminars if you want to, you can ask for another meeting if you want like some guidance, but four classes, big chunk of money, then you're good. And you're supposed to just do that 20 minutes a day, 20 minutes, two times a day Hmm. for forever. Um, and there's all these like studies, quote unquote studies that are questionable because they say it lowers blood pressure. It does this or that. All the studies by are regarded by the medical community as kind of bullshit. Like they're flawed and they were uh, conducted by people who practice TM. So it's biased. biased. But, um, it seems like the results of them, like the positive effects of TM are, no more significant than any other like sort of mindfulness or like whatever yeah i mean i was gonna say if if you're um 
If you're I'm being pawed by a chihuahua. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what was happening. <laughs> um, I'm just down here, <laughs> just petting, petting myself. Yeah. Um, if you're doing any kind of meditation for 20 minutes a day or 20 minutes twice a day, I mean, that's good. That's positive. I don't think you need to pay a large chunk of money to do that to anyone. And I think, yeah, it's probably going to have some benefit. It, you know, it probably, I mean, if you're sincere about it, I think it probably will lower your blood pressure and make you feel a little better and more centered. Uh, but I don't think that that proves anything about this particular guy's connection to anything, No, uh, you know, spiritual. It's, yeah, it's, it's no greater than a placebo effect or anything yeah, else. Yeah, exactly. It's so. just it's just the common, it's just what we now know is the common sense of like meditation where, you know, even now Western medicine is like, yeah, it's really good. It's healthy to meditate. Like it's good for your brain. <laughs> it calms yeah. you down, you know, so. Well, yeah, because apparently the introduction to TM course, one site I saw said it costs six hundred ninety-five to fifteen hundred dollars in the U.S. <laughs> I've heard the price quoted at over two thousand. That's crazy. And so, um, s- some people say, "Oh, it's just the cost of keeping the lights on. You have to pay teachers, facilities, whatever," which makes sense because mm-hmm. if it's a one and done thing, yeah, that would be maybe an essential payment versus like okay i go to pilates i pay a lot of money on a monthly basis indefinitely to maintain my practice yeah most people i think yoga studios just to be a member at a yoga studio it's 100 to 200 dollars a month which is insane to me because it's literally just a room yeah i i always justify it with pilates i'm like there's expensive equipment involved Mm -hmm. so i'm not just paying for the teacher and the space but i'm also paying for facilities maintenance but then when i look at something like yoga or bar where it's literally a room you know what else is very expensive like surprisingly expensive and Uh is to me hilarious because it's mostly just done by kids is any sort of karate or martial arts class they're very they're hundreds of dollars like well over two hundred dollars uh, and most of the time it's just like a bunch of little kids, you know, that are only going to be in it for like one year at most. And they're like, I'm done with this. And, uh, also ju- Brazilian jiu-jitsu is very expensive, which is the new, you know, new hip, hip thing that everyone's doing. Yeah. It's like $300 a month minimum yeah. anywhere you go. It's I, we're, we're friends with the family where all the members do it. And yeah. I just like, it's good for them. I think it's really good for the family and like their health and whatever. Yeah. Um, and it seems to be good for the child, but I think about the expense and I'm like, I cannot fucking imagine. Yeah. Because like I'm paying for just me like i'll i'll go ahead and give it away i pay 160 dollars a month to go to pilates which, yeah that sounds about right from what i would that's what i would guess yeah, yeah and i justify it just because i took a year and a half off and in that year and a half my back pain got so bad i was spending 150 dollars a month at the chiropractor mm. so i was like well if i do pilates it's the cost of what i spend at the chiropractor plus my gym membership so like mm, yeah it it evens out and I get to feel better and like maintain mobility as I age. Um, I think if you're spending money on anything that is like good for you in the way that Pilates is, like that's not, I don't call that a luxury. I call that a good idea. You know what I mean? It's not frivolous. Yeah. If it's, if it's healthy for you. Yeah. So. And I, like I tried that whole year and a half. I didn't go. I went to the gym six days a week. It's mm. just with my own direction at the gym without, a Pilates reformer, I wasn't getting the same benefit. So like, yeah, it, it's, it's an investment in my health and the future maintaining my health. But like, so, so basically what I'm saying is like, I guess if TM, TM is something you're saying is good for your health, 
that a $2,000 one-time fee for the rest of your life is not expensive. Yeah. I just feel like there's a lot of other options, though, for meditation, you know, that you don't, you wouldn't have to pay so much. Well, exactly. Exactly. So someone said the high prices separate the curious from the dedicated. Hmm. And there, so in the way of being like, it's not a money grub because it makes sure that the people who are doing it, if it was a money grub, we'd charge a hundred bucks and sell it to everyone. And yeah. instead we charge this much to make sure people who do it really want to. Hmm. Um, but in the mid nineties, the Maharishi made a public address to raise the cost of uh, TM training um, because he wanted it to be taught only to wealthy leaders of society and he said it's <laughs> to enact maximum change. Yeah, but you have to get them like you know I doubt there's any senators in Washington like Mitch McConnell's not taking transcendental meditation. Exactly. <laughs> yeah and, you're just gonna get like rich people with time on their hands. Well yeah. and it's the same thing that L. Ron Hubbard did with the celebrities is he was like yeah. let's target celebrities because that will be our advertisement and that's exactly what the Maharishi did. He moved to California he moved from India to California Sure. partially it's the mid 60s and that's where all the woo woo shit was happening yeah. so like it makes sense if you are kind of doing a new age thing or a Hindu based practice, like the place where it's going to be more, most receptive in the mid sixties is going to be California. But like he targeted celebrities to spread the Mm. word of it. And so the idea of saying like, Oh, we only, we want to make this cost prohibitive to poor people because if rich people do it, they will spread it to other people. And like, I think we know that trickle down economics doesn't work. (laughs) And I don't know that trickle down fucking TM works. Yeah. Listening to this just really gets my back up because it's the, I'm, I describe myself as like a, a a novice Buddhist. I'm like a halfway Buddhist. Like Mm -hmm. I, I don't, I don't do a very good job of being a Buddhist, but I, 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 that's the only religion that I really think is, a cool thing you know is halfway decent and i identify with and i just feel like this is the total opposite of buddhism which is like yeah they want anyone to be able to do it they want everyone to do it and it's based on meditation and it's always free <laughs> you know if you go to like a buddhist center they, they might pass around a, a plate you know to keep again to keep the lights on but you're yeah. not obli- you're never obligated to put anything in it kind of thing Ex- so, exactly yeah. so apparently tm used to be either depending on the place it would be donation only mm-hmm. or it would be a sliding scale at one point it was a flat fee of 75 dollars and then in the mid 90s the maharishi you know made this edict that we're gonna ch- and i think they tripled the prices overnight um, apparently, according to some sources, these price hikes led to lower attendance, financial woes, hmm. properties sold off. Um, and the Maharishi did another public address and said that he's perfectly happy for ordinary people not to learn this and to keep the focus on the wealthy. And that Jeez. I find is to be is disgusting. He's transparent. I'll give him that. I mean, yeah, he's not trying to hide his his goals. Uh, uh, yeah. Amazing. (laughs) Apparently, in the beginning, he was like more secretive about his business acumen, as they said, Um, and uh, he he would never touch or handle money himself. Like he had staff in charge of it, so he could maintain this giggling guru persona. Um, you know, it's you, you must learn to take life ser- life less seriously and laugh, which I mean is good fucking advice and in, in within reason. But yeah. yeah, like he's not touching money, he's not handling it himself, so he can still come off as being perfectly like you know uh, spiritually oriented or whatever. Saintly. But 
saintly. Is this Joker I, still alive? No, he died in 2008. Nice. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Thank God, right? Yeah. Um, so in in um in the 60s and 70s, there was this push to get it to be taught in school, and it was, but then some cases were brought forward saying this is religious, mm. and um, it was ruled that, yes, because t- meditation can be taught in school. I believe a lot of schools now teach kids mindfulness. Good. But um, it, it was um, uh, declared that this TM was religious in nature and could not be uh, taught in schools in 1977. And there was an appeal, and the U.S. Court of Appeals um, upheld that ruling and said it's religious in nature. It cannot be taught in public schools. Mm. So there's got to be some woo-woo to it that yeah. separates it from mindfulness. Because um, other people say it's non-religious, and it's just stress reduction, relaxation, self-development. But then I found all this shit that like I was like, what? Um, like They have this organization called the Science of Creative Intelligence, and it's related to um, TM. And uh, do you want me to read their fucking mission statement? Sure. Hit it's, me. It's not going to make any sense. That's <laughs> what is going to make it great. Okay. So this is a quote from the Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. Maharishi's science of creative intelligence, which connects modern science with ancient Vedic science, is the foundation of all knowledge, complete knowledge, and therefore is the basis of complete fulfillment. Introducing the science of creative intelligence and the Maharishi technology of the unified field into education is the one way for all mankind to stop violation of natural law and Mm. end the long tradition of problems and suffering in life individually and globally. Uh, It's funny, though. (laughs) From the moment you started reading that, I was like, wow, this really sounds like a Tim and Eric sketch. Yeah. (laughs) It totally does. Sometimes I like, I just want to shake people and go, do you realize that what you're saying sounds like bullshit? Yeah. Like I went to art school and a lot of the language around like describing your projects, because you know, you have to do basically, you know, one of the benefits of art school is you learn how to write proposals and like grant proposals so Mm. that if you're doing a public works art, you can get funding for it. Yeah. And some of the language that's used within the art community, it is so offensively stupid to outsiders like okay i get that like this is the dialect that we use when talking to each other but you can't talk to outsiders this way because it sounds like bullshit yeah it sounds like you're being a douchebag and me and like that's how a lot of this like um you know uh sort of like uh i don't know spiritual a lot of like guru bullshit sounds like where it's like you need can you use a little bit more of like a common language Mm -hmm. because maybe this is supposed to say something but it's bullshit right like i don't under and also like i hate big sweeping statements i find them to be so offensive like if you this this science of creative intelligence is going to end all suffering it's going to end it all oh yeah and yeah it's going to end the suffering in life individually and globally like it's just uh Sign me up. <laughs> yeah it provides a practical means to unfold the permanent experience of higher states of consciousness what provides a practical means to unfold the permanent experience of higher states of consciousness and offers the theoretical understanding of that experience which is necessary for the most rapid growth towards enlightenment okay here's the deal spiritual teachers 
art students, listen to what I'm saying. When you write something, look for run-on sentences. If, 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 if there's a chunk, if there's a paragraph, but there's only two separate sentences in it, you might have your head up your ass. <laughs> you just might. Yeah. You are rambling and it doesn't make sense to anybody outside of your head and you need to fucking think about that. You need yeah. to take a hard look at the words coming out of your mouth and analyze if if it's just complete bullshit. Yeah. Because it is. Take a take a cue from really the art of stand-up comedy where it's all about economy of words. Yes. You know, like shaving it down to the, the nitty-gritty of the joke. It's something I think about a lot because I tend to be a rambler. That would be my natural state. And um, as someone who reads a lot and enjoys comedy, I try to focus on being a little more economical with my words. Because if you want people to listen to you and understand you, you got to fucking chisel that shit down. It's true. I have a hard time with it, too. I'm always trying to get better at it. Um, You know, uh, I talk on the phone a lot at my job and I will find myself rambling and I'm like, I'm totally losing this guy. I got to. I got to whittle it down. You got to whittle, pare it down. Yeah. Pare it down. So I think that this science of creative intelligence thing is fucking bullshit. And that was like the organization trying to get mm. TM into schools. So are there any other famous people besides the Beatles? I mean, anyone current that's into TM right now? Funny you should ask. <laughs> oh. Um, there's Jerry Seinfeld. What? Martin Scorsese. Really? Uh, Oprah and her staff. Because <laughs> she forces them. I assume so. Dr. Oz, which makes sense because he's yeah. friends with Oprah. I fucking hate that guy. Yeah. Uh, Clint Eastwood. Interesting. Hugh Jackman. Oh. And Jim Carrey. And of course. Yeah, that makes sense. It all brings us to David Lynch. Oh, my God. Wow. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Uh, well, yeah, it's funny. And all those guys, people are kind of in the same age range, too. I mean, mm-hmm. there no one there is no one in that group is young. Um, aside from Oprah's staff, perhaps. Yeah, we don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean, they're all kind of, and it's funny because they're all like in the age range of people who would have been like into the Beatles. Yes. So that makes sense. It would be like if you and I were into a spiritual guru who was, that was, you know, really that Eminem was into, or, yes. you know what I mean? Just using a reference of our age group. So yeah, interesting. It's interesting. And David Lynch, of course, he has his foundation that he started in 2005. And it teaches to at-risk groups. Like, they teach TM at homeless shelters, prisons, orphanages, really? soldiers returning from war. Oh. It's He's a big TM guy. I'm trying to remember when Laura Dern was on uh, WTF. I believe she talked about it because I think she does TM. Hmm. And I don't know if that's how she met David Lynch or if he got her into it. Because, you know, they're tight. Mm, they work yeah. together quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but it seems like the David Lynch uh, Foundation really does a lot of good. Uh, mm. He got into it because he was recommended psychotherapy. He was having, like, mental issues forever ago. Mm. And he worried that psychotherapy would limit him creatively. Mm. And so he instead tried TM and... It apparently helped him a lot and it helped a lot of people say it helps them maintain their creativity or helps their creativity grow. So within like the arts community, it seems to spread. Yes, I've heard this argument before um, where creative people, particularly successful creative people like David Lynch, for example, would be kind of afraid of kind of getting their shit together (laughs) to Mm -hmm. put it in. 
you know, like blunt terms because then you maybe I won't be creative anymore. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. kind of part of being really creative is being a little bit crazy. Yeah. And, um, you know, like if you're a really successful actor or writer or something and you're like, well, if I go to a a psychologist and they, they calm me down, they get me to be normal, then I'll just be a normal person. Yeah. You know? I don't sometimes I think about it a lot because I'm I definitely am less creative than I used to be Mm. and I go is it because my life is easier now and I'm less creative or is it that my life is easier because I work more Mm. so I have more money to deal with life but because I work more I am more I'm too exhausted to be creative because I don't really know I don't really know that I'm less creative because I'm my life is more stable I think that honestly, it's just my life is stable because I work and I have less time to be creative because because work is sucking my soul. Yes, I'm I'm definitely less creative than I was as a younger man, but I'm also happier than I was. But I am aware that I'm not I'm not happier because I'm less creative. I'm just happier because I'm more stable Mm -hmm. than I was as a younger man, both mentally and you know, financially, physically, whatever, you know, yeah. my, my whole, my whole situation. I'm not bouncing from apartment to roommate, to whatever, you know, couch surfing. I, I own a home and, you know, have a job and, and that, that makes you more stable. Like I often feel like I bet I could be a lot more creative than I ever was because I have the stability, the foundation. Uh-huh under it but now it's just a question of laziness <laughs> yeah or and is it laziness or is it just like you're tired yeah like, well i mean it's kind of the same thing yeah i mean you know when i get home from work there's a lot of hours left in the day when you get home when you get off at five you know there's there's, there's time you could do stuff with that time you know it's, that i should be doing it's so. true but it's hard because i find work to be such a soul-sucking experience that i can't get things done after work and yeah. when i used to work from 6 30 in the morning till 2 30 in the afternoon i would get up early because i'm a crazy person and i would go to the gym at three in the morning oh my god because if i said oh i'm gonna go to the gym after work i never went yeah. i went maybe 10 percent of the time versus in the morning it's a hundred percent of the time and I just have this thing where work drains me of my will to do anything and so yes when you get off work at 5 30 there is a lot of day left but you've also woken up hurried up your breakfast gotten dressed gone to this place been a person that's a variation of yourself but not really you yeah and so by the time you get home it's it, number one, you don't just immediately snap back into like yourself, who you really are, the, mm. your creative self, right? You're still a little bit in, in work mode. Yeah. And so I just, I kind of give people a pass on that because it's just work is draining. I don't know how many people get to feel like they're themselves at, at their job and they don't just yeah feel drained of their desire to exist afterwards. It's like if you ever get, uh, if you ever have a three day weekend you really notice the difference. Like I noticed that like on that third day, I start to feel more myself Uh because it's like you've had the normal like decompression day. You know, it's for me, it's like, okay, there's like a day that I got to get shit done. You know, like Uh Saturday, I'm just like cleaning and doing laundry and grocery shopping and all this bullshit you got to do to maintain life. And then there's like a day Sunday where you're just like, whatever, I'm just finally laying on the couch and and just decompressing, letting letting it all just like fall out of your fucking brain. But that third day you're like, oh, like I, I'm starting to remember that I have interests 
And like, there's things I want to do. And, you know, like I'm going to, and I know this because I just had a three day weekend. Like uh, last week I took a, I just took a Friday off and it was like, oh, I want to uh, go on a hike. And like, I went for a hike, you know, and I was like, Ooh, like, I just feel recharged. And I'm wondering like, what is it like to just be like this all the time? <laughs> you know, it's got to be amazing. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, I can definitely say that one of the times in my life where I felt the most myself was I I got drunk dial fired from my job in December. And I remember this. You remember this. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I just paid off my car and I'm about to get my student loan money. Yeah. And I'll file for unemployment because between student loan money and unemployment, I can afford to not work for a semester. Yeah. And I took five or six classes that semester. I got all A's. And all I did was like you and I made sketch videos and I made art and it was like it was a very glorious four five months of my life. And um, because I didn't have to spend any time being a different person. And then uh, when I was wrapping up my bachelor's that last year, I worked Friday, Saturday, Sundays. Mm-hmm. And so I had four days off a week where I just went to school. I got to be an artist. Yeah. And that's all I was for four days a week. And I was much more satisfied. I felt better and more centered. So I don't know. I, I'm i going through a thing since I moved in with Zach, who I love deeply and like we have a very healthy relationship but like it's weird to me because he doesn't he doesn't work and so he's home all the time and so I don't have a lot of time where I'm just Sydney I'm at work and I'm work Sydney and then I'm at home and I'm girlfriend Sydney Mm. and I'm not saying like girlfriend Sydney is like a vastly different person than who I am no but yeah I I know what you mean but who you are with your partner is different than who you are by yourself it's Mm. different from who you are when you're with other friends. And so yeah. there's a difference between when you're alone and you're just going about your day and you're doing your thing or when your partner's there and they're like, so what are your plans? What are you doing? You know? And so it's always, what do you got going on today? Okay. You got this and that in between, maybe he'll, you know, he'll be like, maybe we can watch our show between your Pilates and your chiropractor or whatever. And it's, so I'm always like, basically I'm always being held accountable or having to explain myself or my whereabouts or whatever. Yeah. And so but I'm not saying this in a negative way. It's just a difference is that I don't have a lot of time to feel like untethered. Yeah. And um, it's it's definitely weird. And, and, and maybe that's like the positive impact of like these TM practitioners is for 20 minutes twice a day you shut everything out and maybe that's the benefit is that you get to have that feeling of being untethered no doubt i think it is a good thing to like i mean again i think it's a good thing to meditate Mm -hmm. in general um i need to be better at it i mean i have like a version of meditation that i do but it's like if yeah if i was hardcore sitting down 20 minutes twice a day yeah you know saying um over and over again or just doing mindfulness whatever yeah i would probably feel a lot better than i Mm -hmm. do now so as it is, I finally got myself to start going to the gym three days a week. So, Which is huge. I know. For me, it's it's huge. So we'll just keep that up and then we'll graduate to meditation later. Yeah. Yeah. I used to do an hour of meditation a day and that's another wow. thing that has fallen by the wayside. That's now. a long time. I mean, I would, I'd work out and I'd come home, I'd shower and I would just lay down <clears throat> for an hour 
in quiet thought and let my mind wander. And sometimes it would hit right and it feels like you're tripping on mushrooms. Mm. And that's why like the first time when we did shrooms together, I was like, holy shit, this is meditation. This yeah. <laughs> is exactly what meditation feels like. I'm just walking around, which is cool. Yeah. Because um, when I meditate at home, if I get up, that feeling goes away. Yeah. But um, yeah, it's something that has fallen by the wayside uh, since moving in with Zachary. And like maybe I do need to just schedule it. Because like, I feel like that's the success and why people say TM makes them successful. And someone's like, yeah, if you spend two grand, you're more motivated to keep doing it. And so maybe it's a good point. you're motivated and then you're scheduling it in. Like people uh, in certain articles I read said, you know, they dated someone who did it and they're like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like if he's in his office, like he's offline that 20 minutes. If they're on the bus, that's what they're doing. Like it is um, – a hard scheduled this is my tm time and so that's probably where the people get the benefit of it is mm. they're making it a priority and if we all made having let's not even call it meditation let's if we all made having quiet time a priority oh yeah we'd be better off i saw this uh talk one time uh it was like a ted talk but it wasn't exactly a ted talk but <laughs> it was uh from writer act theater actor tracy letts Okay. He's a uh, uh, member of the Steppenwolf Theater Company in Chicago. Yeah, he's kind of a big deal, I think. Yeah, he won a, a Pulitzer Prize for writing, I think, uh, August Osage County. Oh, that's where I know yeah, the name. Which okay. they later made into a movie with Meryl Streep. Um, but he gave this talk. It was a long time ago. I found this online somewhere. And he said, um, you know, if you want to be more creative, uh, you got to like, it's not just about like having like everyone thinks that, oh, you got to, you know, if I only I didn't have to work, if only I didn't have, you know, the, the kids to take care of everything. He's like, what it really is, is you got to you got to turn off all like TV and radio. And <laughs> he used, he mentioned NPR. He's like, look, I love NPR. Like well, probably everyone in this room loves NPR. <laughs> he's like, but you know what? Turn it off. Like instead of listening to that podcast on NPR, that show. He's like, literally just drive home in silence. Uh-huh. You know, he said, like, just drive your car, like, to and from work with nothing. No music, no NPR. Uh, like, go home. Don't turn your TV on, like, for a couple hours, you know. He's like, if you spend time just being with yourself, mm-hmm. he's like, you'll be more creative. He's like, that's that's will trigger ideas in, in ways that you don't even know or imagine. I, so. I really like that idea. Um I like that my quiet time in the morning and when I get home from work and it's something again in my new life I don't really get because the minute the minute Zach's up he'll put on a podcast that we both like Mm. and the minute I get home he'll like turn on a show that we both like and so I'll like try to zone out and just be like okay I'm not even like whatever he's put this shit on I'm not even gonna pay attention to it I'm just in my zone and then it'll be like did you hear that oh my god did you you know (laughs) did you see that and I'm just like I'm like, I don't, I'm not paying attention. Like, this is my quiet time. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so maybe I do need to just go listen like this from 8 to 8.30 in the morning, quiet. And when I get home from work, the first 45 minutes, I'm home quiet. Because, like, I love silence. Like, I fucking, it's weird because I yeah. do a podcast and I run my fucking mouth. Um, but, like, particularly given my vocation of working in loud bars, I fucking love quiet. I love... Of course. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I, I think a lot of people just aren't that way. Yeah. Uh, well, none of... I mean, I'm guilty of it, too. I mean, I'm, I always have the radio on or Pandora or... And then I come home and I, I'll, like, turn on 
you know, family guy or something. You know yeah. what I mean? And it's like, I, I'm not even paying attention. I just have it on in the background while I do stuff around the house. But yeah, there are moments, particularly in the car, I'm getting better about it where I'm like, I don't, I don't want to listen to anything. I'll just drive, yeah. do my morning commute, you know, um, and it's like basically the sun is just coming up. Uh, the weather's nice right now. So I roll the windows down, you know, it's cool outside. And yeah, you do feel more alive. You feel more centered, you know, and then you do think about things. Stuff pops into my head that I wouldn't normally think of. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, like, <laughs> like I just just earlier this week I was driving and I was like, why do humans play games? Like, where did that come from? Like, I genuinely was like, you know, all these different like sports and games. I was like, yeah. that must have come from somewhere. Like, why do we do that? You know, and I was like, I'm going to research that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I have no idea where that came from. So there you go. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's um, you get more in touch with all these things where people are like with meditation, you connect to the universe and all this shit. But like, it really is true. You if you have quiet time, you uh, kind of get more in touch with like your base self and your base nature. Yeah. Um, the world we live in is loud. You know, what makes me mad when you buy certain gas stations, when you buy gas, the oh, minute God, you start that TV feeling, turns on, oh, and that TV turns on. What the, the worst. fuck? I hate it. I hate it so much. It scares the shit out of me sometimes, too. If you're not expecting yeah. it. Like, if you turn around, you know, and then it's like, hey there, you know, and you're like, oh, my God. (laughs) You think you're getting, like, mugged. Yeah, I hate that. I hate waiting rooms where they just have, like, loud TV blaring. It's just like, I don't know. I wish that there was a little more quiet in public spaces. Yeah. Um, Because, I don't know. It's not, like, and then they go, you know, sometimes people with autism are sensitive to, like, loud spaces and stuff. Yeah. And so then it's allegedly, like, there's something wrong with you if you are also bothered by that. Like, you have anxiety, you have autism. Yeah. You know, it's like, there's nothing wrong with wanting quiet. Yeah. I think we all could benefit from that. When you think about, like, the human animal evolved in, you know, like, these tribes of land mammals, Mm -hmm. you know, hunting and gathering and living in small family units, it wasn't, you know, we didn't evolve in New York City, (laughs) you know what I mean? So, like, the whole idea of, like, noise, especially, like, electronic noise, you know, and huge crowds, that's not, like, we're not conditioned, we're not created for that you know so no. it, it's yeah i mean our brain is like what what's going on like what the fuck is this yeah so. i i mean that's exactly why I, one of the main reasons why i hated living in new york is that yeah i didn't have quiet the six months that i lived there i never had quiet because there's always you know roommate noise neighbor noise mm-hmm. street noise it's all it's you never have quiet and it's funny because people who are have adapted to city life apparently they have trouble falling asleep when that goes away like oh, if sure. they stay yeah. in like a cabin or whatever it's yeah. eerie to them um but yeah i just uh i don't know so so tm probably kind of sucks um <laughs> but also meditation's good yeah. um I got. We didn't even talk about yogic flying. Oh, have now, you seen this? Wait a minute. This sounds familiar. Is this like where they were like hopping on their butts? Uh, yes. Oh, where did I hear about this? I heard like some podcast or something a long time ago. Somebody talk about this. Yeah. This is this guy. This is the dude. This is yeah. This is a oh, TM thing. Yeah. It's so it seems like all this bad stuff, the Beatles shit, and this uh, science of creative intelligence shit, and I oh, and they also used to have a political branch called the Natural Law Party. Hell it yeah. deregistered <laughs> in the early aughts. And NLP. Then, and then there's 
You down with NLP? <laughs> yeah, you know me. Fly. Uh, <laughs> and so yeah, then there was yogic flying, which they're like if you if you meditate hard enough, you can float or fly. But it's basically people sitting cross legs that are like bouncing on their butt, and you can look up videos of people like it's basically like a bunch of mattresses and dudes in pajamas like bouncing on their butts across the mattress, which seems like a really fun field game yeah. like thing, like for little kids yeah. being like, who can do the booty bounce the furthest? Have oh, a have God. a yogic flying race. Um, uh, but yeah, someone was like, yeah, you'll notice like all this literature back then in the sixties and seventies that promoted yogic flying, it would show someone in air, but they're like, where are the videos of it? Because it's just, you're catching them mid bounce. But yeah. it's weird to think about an era where there wasn't, you know, right now, like we can myth bust anything. We can Google yeah. it. But back then you just get pamphlets or you see books with pictures and you go, oh, is this a thing? Yeah. You can't immediately go, give me the archives. Let me see the footage mm. of it, you know. Um, and now we can watch videos of it and be like, these motherfuckers are just bouncing on their booties. So. And yet what's amazing to me is that even though we live in a time where you can debug anything, so many people will still just. I don't know, throw their hat in, you know, in with any, anyone, any oh, fucking yeah. craziness. You're like, oh, yeah, you know. Vaccines are bad. Yeah. Uh, you know, Mormons. <laughs> Jesus came to America. <laughs> Dude, there's a new genre of porn that's Mormon porn, and I'm fucking fast. I've never seen it. Yeah. But, but if anyone's seen it and they want to tell me what happens in it, I am fucking curious. Like, I, did you see that on Vice? That's where I saw it. No. Um, last podcast on the left did like a four-part series on Mormonism. Oh, okay. Which it's one of those stories that gets so off the fucking wall. I, my, I retained basically none of it. Because yeah. it just was so many crazy twists and turns that yeah. was incoherent that I can't. It's not a strong narrative. I can't remember that fucking shit because it's fucking bananas. But apparently... Yeah. Um, they, they mentioned it on it. And then my hairdresser was telling me, cause she lives in a Mormon neighborhood. She's not Mormon. Yeah. Um, but she was telling me like, yeah, cause we were talking about it. I grew up in that area and I was like, yeah, like all the Mormon kids, like they can't hang out with you. Like one kid, I invited him to a movie party at my house and he's like, I can't go. And I was like, why? And he's like, well, we're different. And then he had to <laughs> explain to me why we were different. Um, and I was like, yeah, I was never allowed to hang out with these kids. But meanwhile, these girls were like dropping acid and taking it up the ass because it wasn't real sex. And their Ooh. parents are their parents are pill addicts and stuff. Like I knew so many like stories where it's like this kid's dad molested all the boys in the family. Ugh. This girl's mom is a junkie, like all this stuff. But they have this facade. And she goes, well, you know, they're all porn addicts, right? And I go, well, no, it doesn't surprise me. And then I was like, but I have heard about Mormon porn. And I go, do they mention their Mormonism in the porn? Like, are they like, let's uh, do the sacrament? I don't know. Oh, dude. Yeah. So um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Slut Ever, that girl? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So she did an episode on Vice about uh, they basically went to Utah and interviewed this woman, this female director, her face is obscured because she lives there and she has family. She grew up Mormon, but she was like a big director in the Mormon porn world. Oh, uh, but yeah. she's not a Mormon any longer. No, I, no, I she's I no, I think she's a lesbian too. And Hot. Uh, yeah, and uh, they were like kind of showing some scenes, you know. Uh, uh, oh my god! And I was like, this is awesome. <laughs> 
it's kind of hot. I was like, hmm, I should look this up. So, um, did, so you, did you look it up? I did, but uh, I mean, I'm not gonna pay for any of it. So yeah. I, I found like some clips, you know. And honestly, like a couple clips I watched, it was like, yeah, just kind of like standard porn, you know. But do they mention, like, what makes it Mormon? Do they mention their Mormonism? Yeah. Are they wearing garments? Yes, they wear the real garments, and they, it's like the bishop is going to talk to you. So apparently, there's all this weird shit that happens in Mormonism where when you're like, a, when you're a girl and you turn like 12, like they, you go to the bishop's office alone and sit there with him, and he like asks you if you're having any impure thoughts. I'm like, this is a recipe for molestation. Are you and kidding no, me? No, this is what actually happens, apparently, uh, because you're on the cusp of, you know, womanhood, so they start asking you all these questions. And so that's like a theme where they do. Even if yeah. like all that is, even if nothing, like no improprieties take place. It's still not right. It's there's gross. There's no <laughs> reason why a grown yeah. man should take a young woman a girl into yeah. a private quarter and ask her about her impure thoughts exactly that should never fucking happen it's cuckoo bananas they are the weirdest fucking people <laughs> well dude just read have you ever read uh under the banner of heaven by no jo- oh my god hold on let me add it to that my will, uh, amazon I, right now i have it i will lend it to you oh, okay. <laughs> yeah it is crazy yeah that's where i learned about like I mean, I went to high school with some of them, but yeah. you don't really know all the details. And then I read that book, and I'm like, well, they are fucking nuts. <laughs> so, Man, yeah. I don't like that. Makes me sick to my stomach. That makes yeah. me want to break shit with a sledgehammer. I'm furious about it. Yeah, I'm, I talk a lot about how the way I was raised in religion, I interpret as child abuse, and that just hearing that that happens is really triggering. It may I want to smash stuff. Yeah, it's super gross. Yeah, I'm going to I had this thing where when I first left religion at 15, I hated religion like I was furious at religion and was like all religion is bad and evil. Mm. And as I got older and came around, I was like, oh, well, if it's good for people, I guess if people get some sort of spiritual satisfaction out of it, it's fine. And honestly, I feel like I might come I might circle back around to another point where I'm like, no, burn it all. burn it all this is fucking terrible i'm furious because the more i learn about like any sort of organization like especially doing this podcast like i said learning about like buddha field and like Mm. the bikram guy and stuff and then i go oh as soon as anything gets over six people interested in it (laughs) it just it all goes wrong it all goes fucking wrong yeah it's true it's true i i grew up catholic and uh i decided early on i was like 15 when i was like this is bullshit you know and um, but I still, even as a young person, I was like, yeah, you know, like the Catholic Church. I mean, it's not for me, but, you know, they do a lot of good in the world. And I still essentially believed in, in God and, and even Jesus sort of a little bit. You know what I mean? But then when all the stuff started coming out about like all the, you know, raping priests and molesting yeah. priests, you know, and I was like, man, fuck these people. You know, yeah. and then, I mean, and that and then all the cover ups that happened, you're just like, like they just kept on like making it worse and, and not you know, not apologizing and everything. And I was like, man, these motherfuckers need to all get fucking burnt at the stake. You Honestly, know? like, it's just anytime any person gets put on a platform or a pedestal, yeah. then it sets the tone for them taking advantage of other people and people not believing the victims when they speak out. Yeah. Like, that's what that's what happens. That's just what happens is, like, we no one should be put on a pedestal, I guess. Yeah. It's like, even to this day, like, my mom will still try and get me to come to mass with her sometimes or go to like midnight mass at Christmas and I refuse and she doesn't really understand, you know, why. And I was like, because like 
fuck that place. Yeah, because <laughs> like, honestly, I, fuck that place. It's yeah. representative of so many evils and so yeah. many lives ruined. Why why the fuck would I want to fuck with it? Yeah, exactly. I just can't I can't bring myself to go to, yeah. to be a part of that anymore. No. So. There's a woman I work with who grew up Mormon and when I first started working with her, like she would talk about and joke about how fucking batshit crazy they are all the time. And I was like, oh, this chick's pretty cool. You know, chick. She's like 50. Yeah. You know what I mean? Dude, she suddenly went back and is like full on a Mormon again. Like night and day. So weird. weird. You're like, what the fuck brought that on? Well, I think what happens is people feel lost. And so apparently people who have been involved in cults are more vulnerable to joining other cults mm. and i think what happens is you are raised with a certain belief system um and if it's mormonism you know and it's all encompassing when i was raised in religion it was everything we were at church yeah. six days a week all of our friends were in church it was the foundation of every single thing that we did was based on religion mm. so when you take religion away then you have a really lost person yeah. and if they aren't able to get help and do the healing work to build themselves up and like fortify who they are without that foundation it, they're more likely to crumble and then fall into some other bullshit or mm. I guess return back to the original the bullshit, bullshit yeah. because it, it exactly fills the hole that was left you know What's so weird about this lady, though, is that it's like there's some kind of disconnect because she was literally talking to me like a year ago about like, oh, yeah, like the crazy shit they do, like basically saying like, oh, my God, yeah, you know, Mormons. And I was like, oh, yeah, I was like, I've heard, you know, I've, and I've heard stories and I've, I've read, you know, a book and everything. And then now it's like as if she never said any of those things to me because she'll say to me and she's like, She's like, oh, well, you know, I was in church this week and, you know, there's a couple that's really nice family that I know. And she's just going on. And I'm like, wait a minute. Stop. Like, time out. Like, you can't just throw that out there like as if you and I have never talked about how fucking crazy your church is. You know what I mean? It's like there's like she totally just like did a rewind in her head like, oh, I never said anything bad to Scott about Mormon, Mormon churches, you know. It's the same as like, you know, how you have a friend who's in an unhealthy relationship and they break up and they're like, yeah, fuck that guy. He's the worst, yes. blah, blah, blah. And then next thing you know, they're back together with them and you're not supposed to acknowledge any of this information right. that came out. You're right. Like, wait, I thought he cheated on you. I thought he hit you. Yeah. I thought he hid your car keys so you couldn't leave like all these things and we're supposed to act like that didn't happen that's exactly what this woman is doing to me right now with this church talk and i just try so hard to ignore but she sits right next to me oh, oh it's fucking terrible and i'm just like oh and every time she brings it up and she's always trying to tell me like these church stories i'm like i do not fucking care about your church stories don't tell like, me your uh, goddamn church story yeah like i don't want to hear it i don't care you're a fucking weirdo and i feel sorry for you <laughs> yeah like you're a, you're a lost person yeah. and i feel I, I pity i pity you yeah uh, I think God. things, from what I gather, I think things are not great with her and her husband right now. Uh -huh. And I think that's where this must have all come from, where it was like marriage is probably falling apart. And it's like, I'll go back to church. It's like, ooh, yeah. I'd, ra I'd, I'd rather see someone start drinking every night than go to a Mormon church. Oh, you know? 100%. <laughs> like, start hitting the bars, girl. Like, listen, lose lose some weight and go to the pit. Start hitting the bars. I, yeah, <laughs> Fuck I that husband of yours. <laughs> this goes back to every time someone contacts me, like, they're thinking about quitting drinking. And I go, have your activities lined up. Yeah. Have your fucking activities lined up. Same thing if you are in a, you're about to go through a breakup, whatever. Picture 
what you want your life to look like and take the steps to make that happen because otherwise you are gonna okay you Flounder. want you are you're gonna leave your abusive boyfriend well guess what you better fucking en- enroll in zumba mm-hmm. you better fucking join a knitting club you better have some shit lined up absolutely so that you are obligated to do stuff other than sit at home and get lonely and call that motherfucker back yep you know what i mean and so like if you're about to go through a divorce because you have a shitty marriage listen i think everyone who's going through it should do zumba i don't know (laughs) i've never done zumba i tried to take a class once at la fitness and um it's just really fast-paced and I couldn't figure out what the moves were. And so I was just flailing. Yeah. I flailed <laughs> for two minutes. And everyone else was like, oh, yeah, we got this. And they're doing these really high speed dance moves. And I'm just flailing like the Caucasian I am. Yeah. And then I walked out. And then I went. Smart. I just got on a, I got on an elliptical. And then I made sure to leave one minute before that class ended. So I didn't have to look anybody in the face. <laughs> <laughs> You, you did good. You I did, did right. <laughs> I did right. But like, yeah, if you like, this is what this lady should have done. She yeah. she went back to the one thing she knew to fill up the time in her life, which yeah. was the church, when she should have found something new. Go back, get that master's degree you always wanted. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, anything. Vol- she just, start doing volunteer work. Anything would have been better than this. Than and now, that. Uh, yeah, now, and I'm not Facebook friends with her, but some other people that I work with are, and they told me like, oh, dude, nonstop on her Facebook page is all this like religious shit now. Oh god! Like all of a sudden she's like super like you know like po- posting like scripture and stuff. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, like what happened? I think people gotta learn too how to edit that stuff. Yeah, like, it's. it's Well, clearly something has kind of, I mean, it's not a healthy, it's not a healthy thing to all of a sudden be doing that anyway, regardless. I mean, it's like, you know, even if you were going to church steadily before, but you were a normal person, more or less, and then all of a sudden you start posting all this weird shit on your Facebook page, that's all about your religion. Someone's going to be like, hey, what's going on in your life? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I don't like that. Yeah. Some things are private and some things are for personal conversations. If you want people in your life to know that you've rediscovered religion maybe tell them over tea yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> i don't know i just like i have certain like i all my like medical and health stuff going on which like honestly has it occupies a lot of my time and energy and space you know what i mean like i've been really sick mm. for for months and it's caused me to withdraw from my friends because like i don't have the time or energy and like if I don't see my friends very often, I don't want to like just constantly be texting about like me. So I've kind oh, of sure. been yeah. withdrawn and I've thought about like, should, do I talk about this on social media? Like I'm a, I'm pretty much an open book if you listen to the podcast or whatever, but then I'm like, I don't want to like, it's, it's just not the place. It's not mm. the place to talk about stuff. That's that I, if, if I'm noticeably absent, mm. And somebody wants to ask me what's going on. Like, listen, I'm going through some shit. Yeah. But like I, this sort of thing of like publicizing everything that you're going through. I don't know. I don't know if it's right or wrong. Yeah. That's the world we live in. Yeah. I, I don't much care for it. But I really I can respect a little more somebody saying like, you know, I know a lot of people have been asking like what where I've been and what's been up. Here's what's been going on and kind of just putting it out there. Like, yeah. look, this is what's going on in my life, you know, and blah, blah, blah versus the the vague cry for help where you're like you put a post up it says like 
man, sometimes I just don't know, you know, like, like ellipsis, you know, <laughs> and you're like, what? Like, just you're asking me to, to comment and say, what's going on? I'm like, I'm not going to do it. I'm gonna be like, fuck you. I'm not going to. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I had a friend like a year ago do a thing where he was like, listen, people want to know what's up with me and why I've been weird or absent. Yeah. One of my parents died. The other one's dying. I am unexpectedly single by not my choice. That's a lot that, going on. Yeah. And, th- and that huge. was it. Yeah. And then it was like, okay, now we got it. You made that statement. Right. People understand and they can reach out to you or they can give you space or whatever. Mm. And so I, I think that's a good tactic. Um, I, I know somebody who is struggling with uh, endometriosis as mm. well and going through the process that I'm going through, which is all these doctor's appointments and tests and trying to get with a specialist, but like they're posting about it on a daily basis. Mm. And it's a bit, it's a bit much like I, I appreciate it. Like, cause I'm like, okay, there's someone else going through what I'm going through. But also sometimes it's like, do people need to know your pain level rating on a daily basis? Mm, is yeah. that, or do you just need to go, if I'm absent or if I take a while to respond to messages, I'm going through some medical stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, everybody handles things differently. Well, everybody's uh, different. People do different no. things. I don't know. Yeah. You know. I mean, I like to publicize my my bowel movements. You know, I like yeah. to I like to write poetry about them. Beautiful and put poetry. It, and put it on Facebook. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Do you do that? Yeah, I do. Yeah, those poems that I send you, I put them on Facebook. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> see, see, some of you, some of your listeners are like, "Oh, he's making a joke right now." No, I write poems about about pooping uh-huh. <laughs> semi frequently, and, and put them on Facebook. Put them on Facebook and send them to Sydney. <laughs> I love them; they're beautiful. Scott's and the interesting thing about Scott is he has no rhythm, but he's a great lyricist. It's true. I cannot sing or rap at all. But if you need some lyrics, uh, give me a topic, and I'll I'll throw you some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I got my next album, so. Yeah. Yep, I'm here for you. There we go. <laughs> um, I guess anything else before we end this episode? Uh, you know, people, I think just do your research. And if you want to pursue anything of a spiritual nature, that's fine. But don't give any money to anyone right away. You know, wait. Yeah, I think you could yeah. try this at home alone. It's literally sitting upright in a comfortable position. It's not particular. It doesn't have to be sitting on the floor or, hmm. you know, whatever. It's just sit in a comfortable position in silence with your eyes closed for 15 to 20 minutes. And apparently it says if you fall asleep, that's okay. That means you're Even doing better. it right. Even better. Yeah. And you can just say the um, um yeah. mantra and then you can set a timer on your phone to wake you up in 15 to 20 minutes or whatever. Yeah. Boom. Yeah. Bam. Good. Done. And d- listen, if you do that for an extended period of time and you like it and you've read more about TM and then you want to make an educated decision to invest in it, mm-hmm. because at that point you see the value in it, that's fine because you're investing in a known entity instead of just right. going, oh, I want to do this thing. Let me pay the money first. I'm just not that type of person. Like I'm thinking about yeah. becoming a Pilates instructor, Ooh. but I set myself a goal of I'm taking six classes a week for six months. And if I still in six months want to then become a teacher, then I will consider investing in the training instead of going, oh, uh, I want to do this. Let me drop. It's $4,700. Okay. Yeah. Let me drop $4,700. How about I fucking live this? I do this mm-hmm. for a consistent amount and then if I still want to make this decision. So if you're doing this like sort of bootleg TM 
for a couple months and mm-hmm. you really like it and you've read about it and you now educationally go, it would be worth my money. Sure. You know what else is great? Go to meetup.com and I'm sure you will find a meetup in your area about meditation. Yeah. There are several just in this area where we live because I'm a member of one that I've never gone to. But <laughs> but I mean, seriously, because I was looking for like meditation and I found a bunch of meditation groups. Yeah. It, totally free. And it's like, oh, yeah, we meet here, blah, blah, blah. We meditate. And I'm like, OK, yeah, I'll join. You join all these meetups for free. And then I just look at my calendar. I'm like, yeah, do I want to go to this one or not? Yeah. You know, and uh, so far I haven't. But, you know, do that before you spend any money. Yeah. That, that's free. So do free things. Yeah. This is more of like like an economical podcast at this point. We're just telling you how to save money spiritually. Yeah. Next month we tackle heating and air conditioning costs. <laughs> I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> Me too. All right. Well, have a happy hump day, everyone. Yeah, thanks for having me here. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Good day.